You're listening to the podcast of East River Park Christian Church. If you'd like to find out more information about the church or donate to this ministry, please visit us at eastriverpark.church. We pray that this is an encouragement to you as you grow in Christ through the local church. We have this uh, countertop island in the middle of our kitchen with uh, three small uh, bar stool uh, chairs that we bought from Finders Keepers here in town. And, and our three little children will come home from school and, and tell them, we tell them, all right, you can get a snack and then you need to sit at the table and do your homework. So they'll grunt and whine and complain and find a seat at the countertop and their school assignments. And I, I don't know if it's just me, but like it didn't take long for us to get kind of lost in their, in their homework. Like we went from uh, spelling dog to prepositions a little too quick. And my wife constantly asked me, she did it yesterday, she said, do you, like, don't you have a master's degree? And uh, I do, but that second grade homework can be tough at times. And so I see their frustration at the table. So pencil in hand, uh, forehead, forehead in the other, and they just get so confused and frustrated. And on more than one occasion, I've heard these words, um, can you just tell me what to do? And I'm trying to help them work through math or or grammatical problem, and they want direction. Like, just, just tell me what, what the answer is. I can't just give them the answer, not because I don't always know it, but rather I want them to figure it out for themselves. I want them to work through the problem and find out what, what they need to do. And I'll, I'll point them in the right direction. Uh, I'll cheer them on, but, but I, need, I need them to figure it out. In so many ways. That's what we'll look at in 1 Samuel 12. This is a farewell speech from Israel's judge, prophet, and priest. A speech that in so many ways will answer this question, what should, like, what should I do as a Christian? Which is a real question I think we all wrestle with. Like, Sure, we, we might believe in Jesus. Sure, we got baptized and, and we're trying to do what is right. Sure, we attend church and we want to serve others where, where there are needs. But so often we feel frustrated and confused and and lost like life is complex and just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you get to escape that reality what should you do moving forward what should I do moving forward and Samuel is about to tell us if so if you want direction or purpose in your life as a follower of Christ which you should uh, this message is for you we'll be in first Samuel Chapter 12, we'll tackle the entire chapter. Today, if you have a digital Bible, read out of the ESV. Um, since it's such a long passage today, there'll be a um, separate handout for the word. But let's pray, and then we'll read the passage together. God, we come before you. Um, we come before you with distracted hearts and minds. There are a thousand things that call our attention. And so many of them are are good things and and just the responsibilities of life and so many of them are are destructive and empty and worthless. The thousands of voices that call for our attention and God, we, we plead this morning that you would remove them all 
that you might call our attention to your word. Not just to be changed for a moment, but to be changed for a lifetime, to be changed for eternity. God, give us just grace as we study the Old Testament and how confusing that can be sometimes. God, give us grace as we read through chapter 12 uh, that we might understand it and hear the words and the warnings of of your prophet uh, Samuel. And we pray these things in your son's name. Amen. We'll start in verse 1. We'll just read all of it, and then we'll walk through it together. Verse 1. And Samuel said to all Israel, Behold, I have obeyed your voice in all that you have said to me, and I've made a king over you. Now behold, the king walks before you, and I'm old and gray, and behold, my sons are with you. I've walked before you from my youth until this day. Here I am. Testify against me before the Lord, before his anointed. Whose ox have I taken? Whose donkey have I taken? Whom have I defrauded? Whom have I oppressed? From whose hand have I taken a bribe to the blind my eyes with? Testify against me. I'll restore it to you. It says, you've not defrauded or us or oppressed us or taken anything from, from any man's hand. And he said to them, the Lord is witness against you and his anointed is witness this day that you have not found anything in my hand. And they said, he is witness. And then Samuel said to the people, the Lord is witness who appointed Moses and Aaron and brought your fathers up out of the land of Egypt. Now, therefore, stand still that I may plead with you before the Lord concerning all the righteous deeds of the Lord that he has performed for you and for your fathers. So when Jacob went to Egypt and the Egyptians oppressed them, then your fathers cried out and the Lord to the Lord and the Lord sent Moses and Aaron who brought your fathers out of Egypt and made them dwell in this place. But they forgot the Lord their God, sold them into the hands of Sisera, the commander of the army of Hazar, into the hand of the Philistines, into the hand of the king of Moab. And they fought against them, and they cried out to the Lord and said, We have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord and have served the Baals and the Ashtaroth. Now deliver us out of the hands of the enemies that we may serve you. So the Lord sent Jerubal and Barak and Jephthah and Samuel. Delivered you out of the hand of the enemies on, the, on, on every side, and you lived in safety. When you saw that Nahash, the king of the Ammonites, came against you, he said to me, no, no, but a king shall reign over us. The Lord your God was your king. Now behold, the king whom you have chosen, for whom you have asked, behold, the Lord has set a king over you. If you will fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord... If both of you, the king who reigns over you, will follow the Lord your God, it will be well. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you and your king. Now therefore, stand still and see this great thing that the Lord will do before your eyes. Is it not the wheat harvest today? I'll call upon the Lord. He may send thunder and rain. He shall... Know and see that your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord and asking for yourselves a king. And so Samuel, he called upon the Lord, and the Lord sent rain and thunder that day. And all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel, verse 19. And all the people said to Samuel, 
Pray for your servants to the Lord your God that we may not die. For we added to all our sins this evil to ask for ourselves a king. And Samuel said to the people, do not be afraid. You have done all this evil, yet, yet do not a turn, turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. Do not turn aside from after empty things that cannot profit or deliver, for they are empty. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. I'll instruct you in the good and the right way. Only fear the Lord. Serve him faithfully with all your heart. Consider what great things he's done for you. But if you still do wickedly, you shall be swept away, both you and your king. 2018. Um, I remember standing in the gym of Faith Community Church in Davis, Illinois, and a special meeting in between services for a special announcement. Emotions had, had washed over me that week, and certainly that morning was the first time that most of the church would hear the news. I was nervous, um, anxious, I was sad, I was hopeful, and I, I held a paper that I typed out that week, and I began to read before those in attendance. It was the beginning of the end. It was my first farewell speech to a church that I so deeply loved, and I informed, I informed them that my time in student ministry was coming to an end and that I would be transitioning to a church closer to family. And I'll never forget what it felt like to try and get those words right. Trying to be transparent and hopeful and joyful. And, and I wasn't moving or leaving just yet, um, but I knew things from that moment on would never be the same. And so as we enter 1 Samuel 12, that's what we'll begin to see from Samuel. It's a, it's a speech, one of the longest speeches of Samuel in the entire Bible. A speech to transition himself out of the role as a primary leader of God's people. And to be clear, like he didn't finish this speech, put on a gold ring and disappear. This won't be the last time that we see or hear from Samuel in this series. But things at this point, they're just never going to be the same stands before God's people and delivers his farewell speech, an honest, passionate, and hopeful plea to the people of Israel. And I want to answer this question in your notes from the text. What should I do as a Christian? And to be fair, we, we might not like all these answers. We might think they're too simple for our lives that are filled with just these countless variables But your complex life doesn't need complex answers. Your complex life, my complex life, needs simple, straightforward, unmovable, unchangeable answers. The Bible is not some like moving target that we're trying to aim at. The Bible is a foundation that we build our lives on. So I get it. Like Things might feel out of control right now. And you might be dealing with an entire host of, of physical and emotional issues right now. And regardless, 
regardless of what you carried in here today, these points will apply. What should you, what should I do as a Christian? If you're a note taker, let me give you point one from the word. Obey God's word so it will go well with you. Obey God's word so it will go well with you. The structure of chapter 12 is unique in its own right. So if you look at verses 1 through 5, it reads like a trial between Samuel and Israel. And then verses 6 through 12 reads like a trial between God and Israel. In many ways, it's written like a chiasm or a poetic device that delivers a point and then delivers it again in reverse order. Meaning, so Samuel makes a speech at the beginning about Israel's request for a king. And then it ends with another uh, speech about Israel's request for a king. So verse 1 kicks off a trial. Samuel has obeyed the voice of the people, which is exactly what God told him to do in 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 22. He made Saul king over Israel. But Samuel is now old and gray. And his sons, as you see in verse 2, are with the people. They're not over the people. They ruined that leadership role in the past. Like Eli, Samuel had troubled children, and so they're with the people. They're not over them. The trial begins in verse 3. Here I am. Stand before the Lord and Saul. Testify against me if you have anything. Did I take one of the ox from you? Did I take anyone's donkeys? Did I defraud anyone here? Did, like, did I oppress a single person? Did I take a bribe to pervert justice? I mean, y'all say something. If I've done anything to hurt you, just say it. Say it now. The people respond to verse 4. Of course you haven't. I mean, you haven't wounded us at all, Samuel. Then the Lord is witness against you and his anointed. I didn't take anything from you. He is witness. See what Samuel is getting at here? Like, if, of course he's not a perfect guy. Of course, he's, he's not a perfect leader. No leader is. But that list he just gave, that list is a reminder of what the future kings of Israel will do. Another warning to God's people, a warning similar to what we see in chapter 8. Did I take anything from you? No, Samuel. Of course you didn't. Well, the king will take everything from you. Did, did, did I oppress you or defraud you? No, Samuel. I mean, of course you didn't. Well, the king will build his empire on your backs. A testimony or trial of indictment. Samuel has been faithful and righteous, like, and it wasn't enough for Israel. What about God? Would God be enough for Israel? And so now the trial between God and Israel begins. And Samuel unloads this historical, redemptive story for the people to hear in verses 6 through 12. Don't you remember? Jacob, he, he went to Egypt, enslaved by the wicked Pharaoh, and your, your ancestors cried out to the Lord, and he sent Moses and Aaron to free the people. And they did, but you forgot about the Lord. I mean, after all the plagues, 
and the wilderness miracles and the trip to Mount Sinai. You forgot about the Lord, don't you remember? He, he sold them into the hands of Sisera, the commander of the army of Hazar, the prophetess named Deborah had to come save you. Don't you remember? Given over to the Philistines, the king of Moab, because you served the false gods of Baal and the Asherah. Don't you remember that? I mean, the countless leaders that the Lord had to send to bail you out of your mess. Jerubal and Barak and Jephthah, Samuel. I don't, don't you remember the amount of the enemies on every side that the Lord had to conquer? Don't you remember that? When that snake Nahash besieged the city and threatened to scoop out your eye, and he sent Saul to rescue the people, don't you remember the numerous times the Lord has been there for you and has saved you, and now you want a king instead? Samuel turns to the people in verse 14. Even after all that, even after all the mess that you've made, if you will fear the Lord and obey the voice of the Lord, it's going to be okay. It will be well. Do you want some direction in your life? Do you want to know what to do? Like, what do I do as a Christian? Read your Bible and obey the Lord. And you might have made a huge mess of your life up to this point. I mean, let's be, let's be real. You might have made a mess of your week or even this morning. And it wasn't like Israel stood innocent at this moment, regardless of your past. Today's a new day with new mercies. I mean, it's never too late to start reading your Bible and obeying what the Lord says in the Word. And that's not legalism. That's not me trying to preach some rule-based gospel. It's an overflow of love. John 14, starting in verse 15. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So, yeah, if we say we love God, this morning, if you say you love God, we will obey what he says. And not out of guilt and not out of fear, out of love. Read your Bible and obey. And I know we'll get to this in the series, but let me emphasize that point with the word. 1 Samuel 15. Verse 22, I said Samuel's not going away. And so he said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of the rams. So serving the Lord is not a replacement for obedience you can be a nice person. You can. You can be a nice person. You can do nice things in this community and nice things for other people and be living a disobedient and sinful life. Revivals are great. Spiritual awakenings are powerful. 
Worship experiences can be awesome, but to obey the word of God is so much better. Like, what's the point of, of you all, like, what's the point of us lifting our hands up in worship if we spend the rest of our week doing whatever we want? Deuteronomy 12, verse 28. Be careful to obey all these words that I command you. They may go well with you and with your children after you forever. When you do what is good and right in the sight of the Lord your God, and in Jeremiah 7.23, but this command I gave you, obey my voice and I will be your God, and you shall be my people, and walk in all the way that I command you. It may be well with you. Calling with a promise, like obey the Lord and it will go well with you. And that doesn't mean that obedience means you'll never get sick or bad things won't happen to you. Just ask the Apostle Paul. What it means is that obedience to God's word will produce a kind of life that has less heartache and eternal worth. Meaning, my biggest issues, your biggest issues, are self-inflicted wounds. Your life might be incredibly painful because you haven't been obeying the Lord. And you can blame the situation, and you can blame people around you, but you have to look in the mirror at some point. Like Israel, it's just, it's not too late to start reading and obeying God's word. That's our starting point. So if you feel kind of lost, like, I just feel lost as a Christian, that's all right. Pick up a translation of the Bible that you can understand. Read it, meditate on it, seek counsel from others in it, and obey. It wasn't too late for Israel. It's not too late for you. It's not too late for me. What should I do as a Christian? Let me give you point two. Repent of your sin so that you will not die. And I told you, we may not like all these points. Is it not the wheat harvest today? Starting in verse 16, Samuel, he stands before the people and he declares that God's about to do a great thing before their eyes. And to be fair, it's just not going to feel very great. Like those of old, Samuel calls on the Lord to send thunder and rain. The Lord would show the people their own wickedness. So in the middle of the wheat harvest, thunder roars and rain pours out from the sky, most certainly damaging some, if not most, of their crops. So as the text says, the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. And all the people, not some, but all the people say to Samuel, pray for us. Pray, pray to the Lord your God that we may not die, for we've added to all our sins this evil to ask ourselves a king. Really? <laughs> really, Israel? Like, y'all are just now getting that? I mean, Samuel, Samuel's been trying to tell y'all for several chapters here. Y'all are just, like, y'all are just now realizing this is sin? The truth is, some of us need to be punched in the mouth before we realize we're living in sin. 
that will send us to the depths of hell. And sometimes the most gracious act of the Lord is to send thunder and rain that destroys the crops so that we see ourselves for, for who we truly are. Like, it's not seeing someone else's sin. It's not seeing the Philistines or the Ammonites' sin. It's seeing our own sin for what it really is, the sin that will kill. It's James 1, starting in verse 13. Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by, by God, for God cannot tempt with evil. He himself tempts no one, but each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. Desire, when it's conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. Your sin, my sin, is a death sentence. And we play these games in our head like it's not. Like sin's just some sort of character flaw, and we all have flaws. No, sin is deadly. And to believe otherwise is to believe, believe the lie of the ancient serpent. Genesis 3, starting in verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did, you, did, God, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden, Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. And the fruit was eaten, and death was spread to all men, because all men sinned. Our disobedience to the Lord is a debt, and like all debt, debt has to be paid. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death free gift of God. It's eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord, meaning sin is a debt that needs to be paid for, not just forgiven. Like if your sin, if my sin, if it's not paid for, you will die, and then you will pay for it yourself by the wrath of God. And yet there's another way. It's the gospel way. Christ steps in on our behalf. Christ died on the cross and paid for that debt. And Christ gave us his righteousness. It's 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Repent. See your sin for what it really is. Stop trying to make excuses for your behavior. Stop trying to belittle your sin as just some sort of, like, that was a mistake or that's a flaw. Let's repent. Turn to Christ. Conquer death so that we might have eternal life. So what should you do as a Christian? Repent of your sin. Turn every single day, not just like on Sunday, not just uh, as a kid at camp. Turn from your sin today. Christ has paid it all. Don't live a debt-filled life. So we get to point three. What should I do as a Christian? Uh, pursue Christ above all. I 
I think many of us grew up in church culture that tried uh, just to scare us into the kingdom. Like at VBS, the teacher says, with every head bowed and eyes closed, raise your hand if you want to go to heaven and be with Jesus and your family and not burn in hell. And then all the terrified children sit there and raise their hands because, you know, heaven sounds less scary than hell. And then we celebrate all these so-called conversions the next Sunday. And, and, and I'm not saying God can't use that. Um, I'm saying God is often working in spite of us. Because point two wasn't meant to scare us into the kingdom, but to be honest about God's word. Because listen to the startling words of Samuel in verse 20. Do not be afraid. You have done all this evil. You're like, all right, Samuel, but after all that wild weather that you just prayed for, after seeing the destruction of our sin, you're telling us to not be afraid? Yeah, that's exactly what he's saying. And he doesn't make excuses for the people. He calls out their sin, but he says, do not be afraid. Why? Well, the answer is simple. Because there's still hope. The story's not over. There is real hope. There's real hope for God's children. Samuel doesn't even tell them to turn from sin. He's telling them not to turn away from the Lord into more sin. I mean, what a hopeful idea. Like, haven't we just read and studied like, how good Christ is? Has, hasn't the Lord proven himself faithful to you? Even when so many people in your life have not, hasn't the Lord shown us like love and grace and forgiveness that seems so countercultural these days? Please. Please. Don't turn away from the Lord and follow the empty things in this life. Don't turn away from the Lord and chase after things that have no profit or worth. Don't turn away from the Lord to things that cannot save you. Mark 8, verse 34, and calling the crowd to him and his disciples and said to him, if anyone were to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? We all have a desire um, to be satisfied and saved. I promise you that. We all, all of us, have this desire to be satisfied. And we have this desire to be saved from all the drama and hardships in this life. And I don't care if you're a Hindu or Muslim or atheist. We all want those two things, satisfaction and salvation. And the prevailing gospel of our day is that you can find satisfaction and salvation by living out some sort of internal desires. It's the reason why desire has turned into identity. Like people are, are bailing on this identity in Christ because they're finding identity through internal desires. And here's my plea. 
it won't save you. It won't deliver you. It, it will leave you empty and searching for something else. Because desires are, are fleeting and desires make a cheap God. Identity must be found in an external truth. And that truth has a name, Christ Jesus. So pursue Christ above all. It's 1946, uh, before the air show began, one of the pilots of the original team, he picked his name, uh, the Blue Angels, after a famous nightclub in New York. And so for decades, the, the Blue Angels have performed all over the country. And we decided to go one of their 55-minute practices uh, in Pensacola while we were visiting Florida. And if you've never been, I highly recommend it. Um, we took this long uh, walk on the tarmac to the airstrip, and the grandstands were full, and so we stood in the field to watch. Incredible. I mean, it's incredible to watch these, these F-18s fly overhead, at, like just under Mach 1, and they say when they're, they're flying close together, they can get as close as eight inches from wing to wing. Like, it's incredible to watch. What was not incredible was the weather. And I know I can be a little over dramatic, but it was around um, like 180 to 190 degrees. And uh, so no shade, uh, no water, just heat and sweat and fighter jets. And um, by the end of this practice, we were, we were all miserable and needed to cool down and we needed water like immediately. And so the trip back on the tarmac seemed a little longer than before and lips were cracked and throat was dry, this intense thirst, and we finally found this, this air-conditioned building on the walk back that had one of those, those water fountains in between uh, the, the bathrooms. And those always grossed me out, um, but I was thirsty, so I drank. And I drank, and I, I drank, and I drank, and I, this little stream of water, probably toilet water, and I stood there <laughs> and drank, and it just, it never felt like enough. Um, but there was this line behind me now, and so I just took what I could and walked away. If it feels like you have a hunger or thirst that nothing in this life can satisfy, it's because it can't. Oswald Chambers, he puts it like this, the man or woman who does not know God demands an infinite satisfaction from other human beings which they cannot give. In the case of man, he becomes tyrannical and cruel. It springs from this one thing. The human heart must have satisfaction. And there's only one being who can satisfy the last abyss of the human heart. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. What should I do as a Christian? Well, it's in the name. Pursue Christ above all. Above sports above academics, above career, above relationships, above money, above ministry, pursue Christ above all, that, that gnawing, empty feeling that we all have will be satisfied by nothing else but Christ and Christ alone. As in John 6, 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Pursue Christ above all, and you will, 
you will never hunger or thirst again. And Samuel, he ends with our main point. Um, And it's one of those points that just needs no rephrasing. It's clear enough. Simply what the text says, obey the word, repent of sin, pursue Christ, and then the main point. Fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. I mean, that's what you and I should do as a Christian. After all the great things he's done for us, fear the Lord and faithfully serve King Jesus, who will never be swept away. If you want to talk about anything after um, service or would like someone to pray over you, to join the mission of the church, uh, to make a decision to follow Jesus, we'd love to pray with you, but let's pray and then we'll sing a closing song. Father, we uh, just come with confession, knowing that as, a, as Christians, we often feel so lost and life just throws a thousand variables at us and just feels like we're juggling more things than we're capable of juggling. And So I, I'm thankful for the simplicity of your word, for the simplicity of Samuel this morning and charge to the people of Israel. God, it's just not too late that we're listening to this sermon, we're, we're studying your word, we're here this morning for a reason. It's not too late. It is never too late to obey and repent and to follow the Lord. Things might go well for us. And so I'm thankful for your word, uh, for the grace that it shows us. God, help us to uh, fear you. Help us to faithfully serve you uh, the rest of our days. And we pray these things in your son's name.